Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. In December 2011, a 23-year-old woman by the name of Phoenix Colden walked out of her family home in Spanish Lake, Missouri, jumped into her car, and pulled out of the driveway, never to be seen again. Her car would be found two weeks later in one of the most dangerous cities in the U.S. Phoenix Colden is smart, beautiful, and ambitious. But the investigation into her disappearance would show another side to Phoenix, one that is full of secrets. I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library. Let's analyze the sudden and mysterious disappearance of Phoenix Colden. In December of 2011, Phoenix Colden was living at home with her parents while attending a college nearby. When her parents, Goldia and Lawrence, couldn't afford to pay for Phoenix to have her own apartment anymore, they suggested that she move back home. Goldia and Lawrence were willing to support Phoenix financially while she was getting her degree and becoming a responsible adult. They knew their daughter was ambitious, smart, and overall a kind-hearted person, who would use this advantage to make a place for herself in the world. Phoenix Colden was born in California and was raised there until her father's job forced the whole family to move to Spanish Lake, Missouri. During her years in Spanish Lake, Phoenix was mostly homeschooled by her mother since sixth grade. She also learned to play various musical instruments, and she became a local junior fencing champion. Along with this, Phoenix also played in the bell choir at her local church, so Phoenix appeared to be a relatively active and involved person. It seemed like Phoenix had everything going for her. Those around her knew her to be a person who was happy, who loved music and playing the piano, a person who had a great sense of humor and balanced it with a kind heart. Besides these great attributes, Phoenix was also known to be slightly naive, according to some. For instance, her family's pastor describes Phoenix as high-achieving and friendly, but also sheltered. He has said, quote, she wasn't particularly worldly. She was naive about the world, end quote. He largely attributed this to how she was raised. According to him, Phoenix didn't have to see the ways of the world because her parents sheltered her. But part of what makes this case so interesting and mystifying is the fact that Phoenix Colden, someone who many considered sheltered, ended up walking out of her parents' home one afternoon, never to return again. On the day that Phoenix disappeared, it seemed like a normal day for the Colden family. It was December 18, 2011, just a few days shy of Christmas. 
The Christmas tree was ready with Phoenix's gifts underneath, and Phoenix and Goldia had plans for the day. Because the family car had been in the shop for repairs, her parents were depending on her for transportation and rides around town. On the day she went missing, Phoenix and Goldia went to a church service together at 11 a.m. As usual, Phoenix played in the bell choir during the service. Then after church, Goldia and Phoenix stopped at the store before returning home a little after 2 p.m. About an hour passes when Phoenix walks into the family room, walks past her father, Lawrence, and passes through the front door. Lawrence recalls watching his daughter walk out of the house like he's never seen her walk before, with conviction. At around 3.05 p.m., Lawrence watches his daughter pull out of the driveway in her vehicle, which was a Chevy Blazer. Morning came, but Phoenix never returned home. Goldia and Lawrence grew with worry. Phoenix had never stayed away from home all night, and in general, this was not the way that Goldia and Lawrence had raised their daughter. They had known Phoenix to be responsible and considerate. With still no contact from Phoenix by the next morning, her parents called the police to report her missing. According to Goldia, the officer she spoke to made a remark about how Phoenix was technically 23 and an adult, so she didn't have to tell her parents where she was. It seems like they suggested that maybe Phoenix was just out late partying or living her life and would show up if or when she wanted to. Despite this, Goldia expressed that she expected the officer to make a missing persons report. The officer then said that he ran Phoenix's plates, but nothing showed up. For the next two weeks, Phoenix's family created flyers and posted them around town, even in hospitals. But by the end of two weeks, there was still no information about where Phoenix could be. However, two weeks after Phoenix's disappearance, her family was notified that her car was found, abandoned in East St. Louis, Illinois, a city that has been known as one of the top five most dangerous cities in the United States. East St. Louis is about 14 miles south of Spanish Lake, Missouri, and is located in Illinois. So, how did Phoenix Colden's car end up in another state? More so, how did Phoenix Colden's car end up in a dangerous part of town? Despite East St. Louis being a smaller city compared to others in the U.S., for years it consistently ranked in the top five cities of violent crime. In the particular area where Phoenix's car was found, it is known to have high levels of poverty and crime, not to mention, her car was found right next to Interstate 70, which has been labeled as the sex trafficking superhighway of America. When Phoenix's parents learned about Phoenix's car, they were told some chilling information. They were told that her car was initially found less than three hours after Phoenix left home. It was located at 5.30 p.m. in the traffic lane with the engine running, keys in the ignition, and the driver's door open without Phoenix in the car. However, it would later be revealed that much of what was initially told to the Coldens was not true. On top of the late notification of their daughter's discovered car, they were told misinformation that made them believe that Phoenix was possibly abducted. Goldia feels that the St. Louis police did not take her daughter's case seriously. According to Goldia, they hadn't been contacted by county police for an update in the last three to four years. Goldia tried multiple ways of getting her daughter's name and case out there. She called every local TV station, and the news media wouldn't help, except for one reporter named Chandrea Thomas, who heard about the case and decided to take it seriously. Knowing how hard it is to get media coverage for a missing person of color, Chandrea Thomas fought to get Phoenix's case on the air. She kept pushing until they agreed to cover the case. 
Years later, when Chandrea and a retired deputy chief of police in St. Louis named Joe Delia decided to look into the case again, they discovered some alarming information about the case that shocked them and changed the trajectory and focus of Phoenix's mysterious disappearance. First, the fact that Phoenix's car wasn't connected by police to Phoenix's disappearance within 48 hours of being reported missing is a major obstacle in the investigation. Any evidence that could have been left behind would have been deteriorated by the time the police realized the car was connected to Phoenix's disappearance. Over the course of two weeks, the car could have been tampered with while sitting in a junk lot. You may be wondering why it took so long for police to realize that the car they found only three hours after Phoenix disappeared actually belonged to a missing person. Well, apparently her car never showed up in any systems for abandoned cars. This may be because the case spans two different states, Illinois and Missouri. East St. Louis is in Illinois, but Phoenix lived in Missouri. According to Officer Perry, the officer who first found Phoenix's car, if the car was stolen, it would have popped up in their system immediately. However, there is no system for cars that are in missing person cases to compare to their other systems, so basically it slipped through the cracks. It turns out that there's more about the vehicle that isn't exactly how the Coldens portrayed. According to Officer Perry, the car was found on St. Clair Avenue. His first thought when he saw the car was that it may have run out of gas and the person driving decided to abandon the car there. He ran the plates to see if it was stolen, but he found nothing in the system showing that it was. Then, he toured the vehicle to get more information, trying to find out if something more serious happened, but nothing stood out to him from the search of the car. He noticed in the car a pen and some other miscellaneous items, and he claims there was no purse, the car was not running, the driver's door car was closed, the lights were off, the key was not in the ignition, and there was no appearance of a carjacking or any struggle. This information is very different from the information that Goldia was given. If you remember, Goldia was told that the engine was still running with the driver's door open and the keys in the ignition when the car was discovered. This new information makes investigators believe that maybe Phoenix was not taken that day because the car was left as if someone parked it there and it appeared there was no struggle in the car or outside of the car. When investigators take this information back to Goldia, she claims that she couldn't remember from whom she received the initial information about the abandoned car, but she makes it clear that she did not make up this information on her own. When investigators ask Goldia to see what items were recovered from Phoenix's car, what they discover is interesting to say the least. Goldia shows investigators a bag of Phoenix's personal items that was said to be found in Phoenix's abandoned Chevy Blazer. Despite Officer Perry saying that he noticed no purse or personal items in the car that day, Goldia pulls out a bag that she claims was recovered from the car. When investigators look through the bag, they find candy, a pair of socks and shoes, CDs, a highlighter, some lotion, and a T-Mobile bill that went into collections, a bill that was not paid for by her parents, even though they were on a family plan a bill with a phone line that her mom does not recognize. It was starting to look like Phoenix Colden had a secret phone, but why? Investigators were unable to find any phone records for the secret phone line. However, on the known phone line, the one her parents were paying for, investigators were able to find some important information about who she was talking to before she disappeared. Her phone records showed that she was talking to a man named Mike B. According to interviews with Phoenix's friends, Mike B was Phoenix's secret boyfriend. Her close friend, Tim Baker, 
told investigators that Phoenix used to have two cell phones, one on her parents' plan and one on her own plan, and that he thinks she had a second phone to hide her relationship because her parents were strict and didn't condone dating. But this didn't add up to investigators because Phoenix used the phone her parents were paying for to communicate with this Mike B. And when Goldie was asked about her daughter's relationship with Mike B, it turns out that Goldie had a feeling that Phoenix had a boyfriend, but she could never prove it. If she was trying to keep the relationship a secret, using a phone line that her parents had access to seemed counterintuitive to investigators. If the second phone wasn't used to hide her relationship with Mike B, what was it used for? According to Phoenix's best friend and neighbor, Akira, the second phone was used to communicate with another man, actually another Michael. Akira claims that Phoenix had another relationship that she was trying to keep secret from Mike B. When investigators take a look at the phone records, the frequency of the calls to Mike B and the time duration pick up in the month before her disappearance. On the day before her disappearance, December 17th, Phoenix spent 116 minutes on a call with Mike B. Phone records also revealed that on December 18th, 2011, the day of her disappearance, there was a call at 9.34 a.m. to Rosie, Goldie's longtime friend, for a duration of two minutes. Then another call at 9.41 a.m. with Mike B for a duration of six minutes. Then finally, the last call on this line was at 1.46 p.m. with Mike B again. The duration of the call was one minute. What investigators find strange is that there were no other incoming calls after Phoenix disappeared. So what happened in that last call with Mike B? The police who first investigated Phoenix's disappearance say they were aware of two phones and they looked at both records. However, they continue to hold close the specifics of both the devices and they say they aren't revealing what they know about any incoming or outgoing calls past 1.46 p.m. The Coldens found out about Mike B after Phoenix's disappearance. The two had been living together since she was 19 and her parents did not approve of Mike B. While Phoenix was attending college and living with Mike B, Goldie looked for signs of a boyfriend in the couple's home. Goldie had a suspicion that Phoenix was living with a guy, but when she tried looking for proof, she didn't find anything in the apartment. To me, this is a clear indication that Phoenix was really good at hiding her secret life and her secret relationship. According to Phoenix's parents, the night before Phoenix went missing, she and Mike B had over an hour-long conversation on the phone. However, Mike B has said on two separate occasions that he didn't talk to her on that day she went missing, and he also said he couldn't remember what they discussed, two completely contradictory statements. In general, Phoenix's parents find Mike B to be shady and a liar. Up until the discovery of Phoenix's second phone, Phoenix had a certain reputation that directly conflicted with what investigators were discovering. She was portrayed by some as honest, responsible, and sheltered. She didn't seem like she was capable of hiding relationships from her family. However, there were a few people who knew a different side to Phoenix, and what they had to say about the time leading up to her disappearance paints Phoenix in a different and new light. In 2005, Phoenix began her friendship with her neighbor Akira when they were 17 years old. During this time, Phoenix was still being homeschooled, and the only time they were allowed to hang out was after school. Goldia felt that Akira was a bad influence on her daughter, but this didn't stop Akira and Phoenix from becoming best friends. As most best friends, they shared everything with each other. According to Akira, Phoenix told her on numerous occasions that she did not like being homeschooled. 
Phoenix told Akira that she wanted to experience what most teenagers get to experience, like prom. According to Akira, Phoenix had intentions to use college as the opportunity to do the things she was denied while at home. Over the course of the friendship, Akira noted that she saw Phoenix change. According to her, Phoenix was getting into more arguments with her parents and overall she appeared sad. Phoenix apparently felt like people were following her and coming to get her. And it turns out that this idea may have been planted in her mind by her own mother. Akira says that Goldia once told Phoenix that people were watching her and Akira while they were at the park. Months before Phoenix disappeared, Akira noticed that Phoenix seemed paranoid, and Phoenix even shared that she felt like something bad was going to happen to her. During this time period when Phoenix was acting paranoid, her friendship with Akira began to change too. A week before Phoenix went missing, Akira and Phoenix got into an argument. Apparently, Phoenix believed that Akira was talking about her boyfriend behind her back. Despite Akira denying this, Phoenix allegedly pulled out a knife on Akira. According to Akira, they smoothed things over, but Phoenix told her she was going to leave town. Akira obviously asked where Phoenix was planning to go, but Phoenix never told her. This incident poses so many questions, a few of them being, why would Phoenix pull out a knife on her best friend? Why wouldn't Phoenix tell her best friend, who she told her other secrets to, where she was going? And why does there seem to be two completely different sides to Phoenix Colden? As mentioned earlier, Akira knew about Mike B, the boyfriend that Phoenix communicated with using her family's phone plan. She also knew about the other Mike, who will now be referred to as Cell Phone Mike. According to Akira, Phoenix wanted to leave Mike B, but just didn't know how. When Akira and Phoenix would go out, Akira noticed that Phoenix would talk to other guys. While Phoenix was living with Mike B, this is in 2010, Phoenix met Cell Phone Mike at the college she was attending. And as you know, the second phone was for Cell Phone Mike. However, Akira is unsure of what happened to Cell Phone Mike after Phoenix moved back in 2011. The discovery of Phoenix's second phone and the fact that she was supposedly communicating with another man on that phone was incredibly important information for police. It widened the scope of what could have happened to Phoenix. It also multiplied the questions about how and why Phoenix disappeared. Did one of the Mikes find out about each other and do something to Phoenix? Who is this cell phone Mike? Could he have been a bad influence that tricked Phoenix into leaving everything she knew behind? Who is Phoenix Colden really? Maybe she wanted to run away so she could live the life she really wanted? These are some of the questions that plagued police, but before they could answer any of these, they had to learn more information about the two Mikes in her life, and what they find is concerning. During the initial investigation, police interviewed Mike B to see if he had anything to do with Phoenix's disappearance. According to them, they had no suspicions about Mike B because he was cooperative. They even went to the lengths to say that they feel 100% confident that Mike B was in no way involved with her disappearance. However, investigators don't necessarily have the same confidence in Cell Phone Mike. According to investigators, Cell Phone Mike has passed restraining orders against him for a violent incident he had with his ex-girlfriend. And according to his ex-girlfriend, it was 2010 when they began dating. They were together for a year and a half when he became possessive and angry. She claims that he was emotionally, physically, and mentally abusive. She claims that he had slammed her against the ground and against the door. It gets even crazier. 
because in December 2011, she says she would catch him researching different missing person cases, especially Phoenix's case and a few cases from Chicago. When she asked about it, she claims that he blamed this new interest in missing person cases on him being a psychology major. However, later he changed his story and said that Phoenix was actually a customer of his. And then he fessed up to having had sex with her. During this argument, she claims that cell phone Mike said, why are you worried about someone that is dead? If you aren't following the podcast, make sure to follow because you won't want to miss part two of the mysterious disappearance of Phoenix Colden. In part two, I'll be sharing the possible theories for Phoenix's disappearance, a supposed sighting of Phoenix Colden that is chilling, a surfaced selfie video of Phoenix that may hint at the mental state of Phoenix before she went missing, and more secrets that may turn out to have greatly influenced the disappearance of Phoenix Colden. If you have any information about the disappearance or whereabouts of Phoenix Colden, please contact the St. Louis County tip line at 866-371-8477. If you want to interact with the podcast on social media or share with me some of your own theories about the cases, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at the LCL pod. Don't forget to share the podcast so we can get more attention for these very important cases. And don't forget to follow the Lost Crimes Library so you won't miss any new episodes. Thank you for supporting the show. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.